Welcome to Reasonable Doubts, your skeptical guide to religion. Welcome to Reasonable Doubts. I am Dave Fletcher. With me in the studio is Jeremy Bean. Yeah, hello. And Dr. Professor Luke Galen Esquire. You add a new title every week. That's why I like it. I figured you'd like that. I wonder how long we can keep that up. I wonder how many degrees I could get more than you. Oh, <laughs> more than me? <laughs> I don't I, think that'll be tough. That's, hey, I, am now, I now have a B.A., Okay, I am badass, officially. I have it in writing. And hey. that and a few dollars will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. That, that's right. <laughs> or a job at Starbucks, because I have well. a BA in English. We're going to start off today with a public service announcement. Dear friend, are you looking for me? Is the world looking for millions of missing people that have just vanished in an instant? Are all little children around the globe part of the missing group? If so, I can tell you what has happened. Don't believe the very convincing lies you will hear. Don't believe UFOs got us. Don't believe some cosmic reaction erased us. The truth is, are you ready for this? You evolved into higher beings of light. Oh, no, no. We're at a wedding. Yup. In fact, we are the bride, the groom is Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hear, O Israel. He has come to take his cried. Seriously, that's what it says. I don't know what a cried is. is Probably a typo. Probably. Still, I like it. The true church and all the little innocent ones out of this world because of what is coming. Yes, yes, I know. There are all sorts of Christians running around now insisting that this explanation cannot be the correct one because they are left behind. This may include some very visible Christians, like maybe a pope or something. <laughs> what does this tell you? It tells you that any Christian left behind was a phony. They may have said they believed, blah blah blah, but God knows the heart of men, and he has seen that they are fakes. This post-rapture public service announcement comes to us from Herbert, care of the new website, you've been left behind.com. Awesome. It's, it's fantastic, and it's good to know that after the rapture happens, I can still get didactic rants from people I don't know. But this website is, is kind of the new after the rapture website. I think it's replaced raptureletters.com, which if you saw um, God who wasn't there. the God who wasn't there, they talk about raptureletters.com quite a bit. This is a new one, and the extra feature that this adds is that you can edit your rapture letters anytime you want. Oh, that's great. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as people are saved, you can take them off the email list because they will probably not be getting it. So or, or if your buddy, you know, pisses you off at some point, you can rewrite it to be angry like I told you so type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And they say what, it works like a dead man's throttle where if nobody messes with it for a period of time, then they all get sent. Yes, this is, this is the way it works. And this is from the website. These letters get sent when three... Of our five team members scattered around the U.S. fail to log in over a period of three days. <laughs> so six days after the rapture, because they have another three days that are given as a fail-safe for any false triggering of the system. Six days after the rapture occurs, you'll be getting a letter in, in the mail to let you know that that's where everyone's gone. What if it's a progressive rapture? Oh, good point. They have a left behind video too. I've seen that where Tim LaHaye says, uh, or some you know actor, it was talks right. to you as if you know it, you've been left behind, and here's what you can expect. Probably you know? Kirk Cameron. Oh my God, the that cost- is hell on earth. <laughs> 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 the cost is forty dollars for the first year. Oh um, God, resubscription will be reduced as the number of subscribe subscribers increases. Hmm. So right now, and based on the fact that if you go to their blog site which is you've been left behind.blogspot.com. You can see some form letters that people have written that you can use as your rapture letter in case you, you don't want to write your own. 
and the most recent one was written like four years ago. Oh, so yeah. uh, I'm guessing they don't have a huge number of subscribers. No, and if, if you want to get a hold of the head of the company there, his email address is a is a Gmail, a free Gmail. Yeah. And any any sort of um, group or organization that has to use a free email service like Gmail, you know, obviously can't have all that much support or, or sophistication to them. If you disagree with that comment, you can just send an email to us at doubtcast at gmail.com. Think about the technology, what they can do these days. When I was younger and I got a You've Been Left Behind letter, it just meant that I was going to spend the next year in school with a with a slow class. So. So it's reassuring that people like good old Herbert will still be able to lead us to the Lord even after they've gotten married to Jesus. And it's more harmless, too, than those in case of rapture, this vehicle is unmanned bumper stickers. Because those scare me, frankly. Like, do you really want your car careening around driverless? Yeah, that's yeah. a scary notion. I think about that. They, what would they kill somebody or something? Well, that's why, as the gentleman from Rapture Letters talks about in The God Who Wasn't There, that's why... Airlines don't allow two Christian pilots in the same plane. Oh, it's true. Somebody's got to fly that thing. Yeah. According to Snopes.com, that's actually not true. But, you know, it's a sweet idea. Oh. Moving on to some news. Speaking of bizarre rituals and cults, we have Scientology. Everyone's favorite world cult. Oops. Better not say that in the UK. So those of you listening to us in the UK, turn down the volume if you're out in public, because apparently you can almost get arrested for calling Scientology a cult these days. Just recently, the collective protest group called Anonymous held a rally outside of the Church of Scientology in London. Which, by the way, way to go, Anonymous. Absolutely. And the really cool thing is, that that I loved about it, is they're all wearing masks, of course, because it's anonymous. Mm-hmm. I'd say about 75% of them are wearing Guy Fox masks yeah. from yeah, E for Vendetta. So that was a very nice touch. I thought you were going to say Tom Cruise mask there for a minute. Oh, that would have been <laughs> cool, Sparkling too. white smile. Travolta <laughs> mask. That would be hilarious. Get on that, guys. Yeah. Anonymous. Just a suggestion. So anyway, he was holding up a sign that said... Scientology is not a religion, it is a dangerous cult. Yeah, so his sign proclaims that Scientology is a cult. And shortly after the protest started, he was approached by a London police officer who told him that he could not display that sign because under Section 5 of the Public Order Act, which says that it is an offense to display any writing, sign, or other visible representation which is threatening, abusive, or insulting within the hearing or sight of a person likely to be caused harassment, alarm, or distress. So if you display something offensive within eyesight of someone who might be offended by it under Section 5 of the Public Order Act, you could be arrested. Now, he wasn't arrested on the spot. Uh, You can actually watch the video of this whole sequence online. They approached him. They told him he couldn't show the sign. He said, no, no, I can. By the way, 16 years old. And the cops left. They came back later, tried it again, left again, came back. And he eventually, I believe, was arrested. But now they have decided not to prosecute him for it. Yeah. It sounded to me from the article... The cops approached him three different times, yes. and then only then did they take it away. It sounded to me almost like they really didn't want to do this, but, you know, if he refuses to follow the cops' mm-hmm. directions, I mean, you have to, they have to enforce the law. At least that's how it seemed to me at first. Then I continued reading on about this. Several U.K. commentators were pointing out certain things. For instance, there was another protest simultaneously in another part of Great Britain, and no such arrests were being made, even though people were carrying similar signs. And also, there was some sort of scandal in previous years with the City of London police apparently taking, uh, not bribes so much, but accepting several thousands of dollars worth of free gifts, like tickets to different 
Tom um, Cruise films? Yeah, yeah. To Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, actually, I think one of them was a benefit with Tom Cruise. Mm. You know, I, I can't remember if it was like theater events or different entertainment things. But apparently, one person who's putting was pointing this out was Marina Hyde writing for The Guardian. She says, London's fourth most senior policeman made a speech praising the Scientologists as a force for good, raising the spiritual wealth of society. Later that year, a Freedom of Information request revealed that the City of London police had accepted thousands of pounds of gifts and hospitality from the church, including attending a charity dinner hosted by Tom Cruise. And by thousands of pounds, they mean money, not weight. That's Just right. Just for, for those of us in North America. For stupid Americans. Clarifying. Earlier this year, it was discovered, she, she writes, that police were handing out in schools leaflets that pushed the church's anti-drug program, the not Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. She points out the not-at-all-sinisterly-named Narconon. Wow. And the City of London chief superintendent appeared in a promotional video for the church itself. His excuse was that the police department had to, quote, build links with a diverse community, and that included meeting with different community leaders. Never mind the fact that the number of Scientologists in London is a ridiculously small but wealthy group of people. Here's what I don't get about that. Don't they have – I thought they had free speech laws similar to here where you could insult somebody if you want. If you had a funny mask of Tony Blair or something, you could – you know, or right. you can stand up in a park. They even have a speaker's corner, I think, in a park in London where you there's a tradition hundreds of years long that you can get up there and say whatever you want. And Parliament yeah. is similar, actually. So, yeah, so why? So how can you have a law? That's, the law as printed seems unconstitutional in its vagueness, like insulting anybody, any insult. Right. Well, I how mean, this plays that? into what we were talking about with Austin Dacey last time, is that people are actively trying to erode free speech and redefine it as non-offensive speech. But yeah, actually, in the end, you're right, Luke, because it was thrown out. They weren't able to charge the kid with anything. Well, and I'm not sure if it wasn't that they weren't able to, but they decided not to. I think part of that is because of the public backlash and the Mm -hmm. fact that this video has been online and people have seen it. And let's face it, Scientology is not the most popular group around. So I think there was a lot of pressure on them not to push this further than they already had and as the boy's mother said the fact that they didn't prosecute him is a victory for free speech well we did talk about this with the austin daisy episode about laws like preventing bending over backwards to prevent insults to islam right and this seems to be very similar to that you just take out islam and insert cult and it's very similar to that how do you where do you define the boundaries of insulting a religion or a cult or whatever right For the record, uh, the word cult is not necessarily a pejorative term. It, it certainly was used in this context it as w- well. well because the band, it a band, dangerous the band, cult. The cult. Have you ever heard? <laughs> yes. But cult is simply a religion without the numbers. A- right. Am I right? I mean, oh, that's certainly. the only difference well, between the two. you say early Christianity was a cult, certainly. Absolutely. It still is. It's just a very large cult, which makes it a world religion. Now, did he intend it to be? Offensive? Yeah, absolutely. But I think letter of the law, it's trickier. But the Scientologists have said we have numbers over eight quadrillion because they count their intergalactic adherents, too. (laughs) So technically, it does not count as a cult. It is a religion. So something along those lines. But here's the fun little twist is a human rights group has pledged to take action against the police force. Oh, this is great. I love it. The human rights group Liberty, whose lawyers have been advising the boy, is now considering taking action against the city of London police. At this time, there's no word on if that's happened or when it's going to happen. I hope they go through with it. I hope they send a message. All right. Well, also in the news over the past week... Somebody finally figured out that the pastor supporting John McCain is just as whacktastic, if not more, than the one that Barack Obama has been involved with. This was the big story that nobody was talking about for the longest time. Controversial pastor John Hagee 
is, well, he's a Pentecostal prosperity gospel minister that has gone completely off the deep end. Was that before or after he endorsed McCain? Yeah, he's been off the deep end for uh, a while. Oh, he's been off the deep end for quite a while. He uh, also very, very interested in end times prophecy, a warmonger. He's I advocated, see why he endorsed John yes, McCain. He's advocated preemptive nuclear strike against Iran to protect Israel. Which, by the way, the state of Israel, younger than John McCain. Nuclear weapon, <laughs> younger than John McCain. Chocolate chip cookies, younger than John McCain. No, not... Absolutely. I don't know if I believe that. They were created, someone at the Toll House Diner, I believe. Mrs. Fields, Fletcher I think was her name, actually. fact or fiction. Check, <laughs> check out things Old younger... Old to the fire. This check is this our out. new segment, Fletcher, fact or fiction. He's going on again. Check out thingsyoungerthanjohnmccain.com. <laughs> I heard there was a song on the web. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, shopping carts younger than John McCain. No, but I've heard um, no. I've heard this Hagee guy before because he even before the McCain thing, he was involved with with financial uh, incredible amounts of money going in between his members of the Pentecostal Christians in Texas and supporters of Israel. Like he's got his friends oh, yeah. of Israel lobby, and they take tours of the Holy Land to, to you know mm-hmm. drive up support there, where they go and look at various biblical sites. And the whole thing is to have Christians then back foreign policy and then mm-hmm, candidates right. who support pro-Israel foreign policy. Some of that, the money aspect, is part of his whole prosperity gospel thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, the belief is that it's the right of believers to divine wealth. It's a sign of your spiritual fitness, I guess you could say. God likes you, so yeah, he's going to give you money. So you will receive money. It's kind of ripping some things from the Old Testament out of context about if you bless the Lord, then the Lord will bless you probably meant to be speaking of the nation of Israel. Just to give you a little bit of background, some of this information comes from the book God's Prophets, Faith, Fraud, and the Republican Crusade for Values Voters, written by Sarah Posner. But she writes about his 1997 conspiracy theory book called Day of Deception, The book itself claims to take a probing look inside the United States government and expose blatant acts of deception designed to destroy democracy in America. And, of course, we can guess who the people are involved in that. The usual list of extreme right-wing targets, the United Nations, the National Education Association are implemented in this, the Council on Foreign Relations. Get this, the Illuminati... Oh, really? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They're at it again. Uh Fluoridated water people. (laughs) (laughs) The Eastern Establishment, I'm not exactly sure who all counts as part of that. And Bill Clinton, of course. Yes, all all of which are trying, are being led by the Antichrist in his effort to install a one world order. And, of course, he, he finds the Democratic Party to be, quote, the home of those who advocate homosexuality, abortion, free sex, unlimited handouts, maximum taxation, little freedom from government control, and toleration of use of drugs. Sign uh, I'm me not, up. Yeah, I'm not for unlimited handouts and maximum Wait, what taxation. what was the sex part again? Free sex. <laughs> wow. Is that the platform this year? Yeah. Wow, they went off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. But God's really blessed him. He's the leader of Global Evangelism Television. Also younger than John McCain. Use tax-exempt donor money to pay Hagee nearly half a million dollars in salary as deferred compensation for 16 hours of work a week. And then he earned another 300000 from his church. For a while, he was the highest-paid nonprofit executive in San Antonio. He was making a million dollars a year. Which makes the term nonprofit. Yeah, kind from of. Global Evangelism Television. Basically, what he did, though, is he changed uh, it from a nonprofit organization to basically a church. And then he didn't have to file publicly his tax returns. So who knows what he's been making. But judging from the Hagee-owned LaFond Ranch with its own private airstrip, he's doing quite well for himself. But none of that was what got McCain to reject his endorsement. What finally did it was a comment that Hagee made, this quoting from the Los Angeles Times. At a late afternoon rally in Stockton, this is May 23rd, McCain said he 
rejected the endorsement of John Hagee after learning of a recording in which the pastor portrayed Adolf Hitler as being sent by God to force the Jews to come back to the land of Israel. McCain, realizing just how graphic that is and how this would become a major political liability, Mm -hmm. his statement was, I just think the statement is crazy and unacceptable and said the pastor's words were just too much. Now, those record, that was from a recording that Hagen made in the past. It wasn't like a press release recently, right? No, from, from 1999, I believe, from one of his sermons. Because they they, the other thing before that that was a big flap with Hagee was his referring to the Catholic Church as the great whore or yeah. some other thing. So mm-hmm. he has a whole trove of past sermons, and that one came to light, I think, I don't know, it was a couple months before this one did. Uh, and so there's a there's right. a history with this guy of like, and they realized that there would be more and more people coming through, people like us, coming through his recordings and finding mm-hmm. more egregious mm-hmm. statements. So it's not as if it was a secret to anybody that he had made these statements recently or anything. As much as I fear the notion of Bush Jr. taking over the White House in 2008, I have to give him props here for denouncing, I mean, a Republican denouncing an evangelical endorsement is big news. No, I, I, well, I'll disagree because I think John McCain used to be the guy who, you know, would call Jerry Falwell and these other guys out on the carpet. Agents and of intolerance. It, yes. That's right. And then he deserved the props. Getting involved with Hagee, th- there was no reason why he couldn't find out all this information. This was this was sucking up to the religious right. He's getting worried because he knows that he's losing the right. evangelical vote. He needs to turn him out, turn out the base. There was no nobility mm-hmm. in in rejecting this guy. It was just he walked into, you know, this is karma for. And after he saw what happened with Jeremiah Wright and right. Obama, mm-hmm. he was at least smart enough to jump right. out now. Let's get rid of this this problem while we're still talking about Hillary and Obama. Mm-hmm. When the sights are on him, he doesn't want to have it hanging around. Oddly enough, this is this is really weird, and I hope our listeners don't take this as a defense of Hagee. But of all the things they could have criticized him about, this particular point is one of the weak ones. The view is that, well, because he made this statement that Hagee must be a rabid anti-Semite. You know, he's saying Hitler was an agent of God trying to get the Jews back to Israel, right? The truth is, is that Hagee is a, is a big supporter of Israel and Judaism. And in fact, it's not just in that way that a lot of end times nutcases are because they want to they start the apocalypse. Right. Hagee has made statements to the effect that he believes that Christians should not try to evangelize Jews because Jews are saved in Christian terms, as they are. Wow. God still has a program with the nation of Israel, and they do not need to convert and become Christians. He does this via a very strange Protestant offshoot of theology called dispensationalism for some of our theology nuts in the audience. I won't go too much into the history of dispensationalism, but it's a particular viewpoint of theology that came around in the mid-1800s. And the basic idea of it is is that usually the interpretation of Old Testament prophecies and all the things referring to the promises given to Abraham and the future kingdom of God that will be established and all that are interpreted as somehow really talking about Christians. Somehow that's really talking about the Christian church and not Judaism or Jews per se because when the Jews rejected Christ, salvation went over to the Gentiles and dispensationalism was a movement in theology that instead tried to say, no, actually, God has essentially two programs. He has a program for the Jews and he will still fulfill those prophecies literally There will be a literal nation of Israel in the end times, Jews, and the promises made to Abraham will be fulfilled as they were said, uh, as they were said to be. And then there is an extra program for Christians, for the body of Christ. God's just making promises all over the place, isn't he? Yeah, well, and that's how they've, the, the whole idea of a dispensation 
is the idea that God dispenses truth, different types of truths and different types of programs to different people at different times. Ooh, I'll take scientific truth. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say uh, unfalsifiable. Uh, right, right. Well, the word the, that springs to mind. It's actually, though, uh, an interesting little monkey wrench they can sometimes throw at a counter-apologist who may not be aware of their theology. If you start bringing up all sorts of contradictions in the Bible to mm. a dispensationalist, right. they might be able to say, well, okay, look, what you're saying is true of that dispensation, but we live in this different dispensation. And they call us relativists. Right, right. I heard and that in class to, once. That was thrown back at me. It's all yeah. the unpleasant stuff, different dispensation. Yeah, that's right. And so they, they can do quite a bit of maneuvering. It's, it's actually a really remarkable variant of theology that somehow tries to be as literalistic as it can, but still get around a lot of the glaring contradictions in the text. Well worth looking into to if you're a theology junkie and want to get to know the terrain out there. But not n recognizing that sort of nuance in his position, a lot of people have slammed Hagee, calling him an anti-Semite and everything, and not not actually realizing that he probably is legitimately pro-Israel. And when all these Jewish leaders were coming out supporting him after the statement was made, I don't really think it was necessarily disingenuous. So, so of all the things to catch him on, this may be the one that he's actually not guilty of. I, he's still a freaking nutcase. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a wonderful baritone voice. If you heard the man speak, uh, he was on Fresh Air, just a very deep, resonant... Uh, you got to give him props. Let's put him <laughs> on the props list, Jeremy. <laughs> no. Well, anyways, just a little theological nugget to shoot out there to our listeners. Well, so far, we've covered Scientology. We've covered end times prophecies. We've covered evangelicals. All that's left is the Mormons. For a segment of God Thinks Like You, we'll take a look at the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So uh, there's been a lot in the news over the past couple months now, right, that this has been going on uh, involving the FLDS and the children being taken away. And so chances are you've caught most of that in the news. But Luke, Luke, our psychology expert, well, break it down for us. What does this mean for the children psychologically? <laughs> what, what do we... Dealing with What here. about the children? Wait, think of the children. Won't someone please think of the children? Was Mott Flanders an FDLS? LDS? She was. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Recently, there's a twist in the case is that the, the uh, higher appeals court ruled that they have to give the kids back. That it wasn't right. It wasn't enough to say that there's underage pregnant girls. You have to show a consistent pattern within or, uh, within families. You have to take things like this child was abused rather than what the state was originally trying to do is saying they're just in a milieu. Yeah. That is right. abusive. Yeah, the Child Protective Services said that they were being raised in a pervasive belief system that grooms males to commit sexual abuse and females to become brides as soon as they reach puberty. But you can't but that's not prosecute enough. a pervasive culture. You need to prosecute specific cases. Well, so as far as the uh, as far as the I actually think it's an interesting kind of almost laboratory of what you could do if you had a desert island. They've formulated their own group in Texas, mm -hmm. very little contact with the outside world. All the conditions are there for almost like a, you know, kind of an experiment of what could you do as far as raising kids in a particular belief set with no corrosive outside influence. So, you know, you can see these, these people, the only people that ever make it out are the ones, these rare apostates like the girl who testified against Warren Jeffs, right. who, you know, was married off and didn't want to be. Or once in a while you get this, they have a group of lost boys, they right. call them, who are the, the, lost boys. the unfortunate males that are the mathematical result of marrying multiple women to older men. And that is, what do you do with the young boys? Uh, those have been making it off out of these groups and also giving us information about, you know, what happens. They feel... You know, what did I do wrong? Or they, they're kicked out. Right. When they're not. Now, do they get rid of all of the young boys? Well, th I don't know how, uh, in every circumstance, but I think that what they do is they just they have to make some selection process right. as to, you know, who are going to be the ones to not get wives. And basically in that theolog theological system, if you're not given extra wives or any wives, you're screwed like in the right. afterworld or whatever in the eternity because you have no Then you chance. don't get your own planet. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, that's obviously also linked to this world 
benefits too, as in you don't get your own job, house, means of support. So they often have little choice and little education. What are they going to do in the outside world? A lot of them go crazy and uh, uh, go on, you know, drug, get involved with drugs and they don't have a, you know, gainful employment because they view it, they were raised in such a dichotomous system of this is the, this is the entire world, this mm-hmm. is the good people, the outside world is bad. So obviously that sets up of when you're out in the outside world and you can't make it back, what are you going to do? That reminds me of the... The Rumspringa guys. Yeah, yeah, Rumspringa. Um, the Amish. The Amish. Yeah, uh, if if you don't aren't familiar with that, Amish youth have a time where they're allowed to go out into the world, and before they decide for themselves whether or not they want to be a part of the Amish church for the rest of their life. And if you see that wonderful movie, what is it called? Rumspringa, The Devil's Playground. Yeah. Hmm. It's a documentary that follows these kids through this process, and a lot of them get hooked on meth and become part of the nightlife and drugs, violence, the whole deal, uh, because they get into the outside world and they just have no... It's supposed to be a den of sin, and that's what it becomes for them. Uh, You know, indoor plumbing does that to everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see it psychologically also as a kind of a good move to to keep people uneducated, portray the outside world as being irretrievably corrupt because go ahead and try it for a year and see how it is. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They go crazy. They realize, how am I ever going to have my family and get married if I am in this crazy outside sinful world, so I'm going to go back? What other choice do they have? What are they going to do? Go to college? There's just no way. So only only relatively few make that decision. You can probably also view the FLDS system as producing that too. Only give people limited education, obviously not the women. Because, you know, why would you need a... Well, they, a they have to get some kind of education just to do those hairdos. Yeah. I mean, if you the have little, seen that, that is... It's like a little wave. That's architectural work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly it's not an education in you know, fashion or no. anything like that. But, um, yeah, so uh, it's uh, they have an interesting almost lab to look at. What can you do if you have unfettered by any outside constraints to have your own little fiefdom of raising children... Uh, you could basically indoctrinate them any way you want. There's nobody there to teach, you know, critical thinking or outside points of view. Mm-hmm. Then how do you get these apostates? Like the, I don't know if the girl who called the authorities on the compound initially, and of course there's been speculation that there wasn't in fact really a, a girl who did this, that it was all faked so that they could get in there. How does someone, if you're not given any critical thinking skills, if you're not exposed to any other viewpoints how do people get to the point yeah. where they realize that this is this I mean, is cuckoo nuts it's just a it's a more of an intensified version of the broader apostate question is you know what is it a function of the person's circumstances so if, in her case was it because she was forced to be married at a young age found mm-hmm. no recourse you know was dragged off basically and raped is that a circumstantial thing that anybody would be an apostate in that situation or is it a function of her maybe she has a particularly feisty disposition you know, that's just a smaller version of the broader question that we always ask ourselves in our circles, and that is, why didn't I just follow the leader like the rest of the people in my group? Right. It, it could be a function of a combination of personal factors of your disposition as well as circumstances. We were, you know, like in Jeremy's case, presented with dissonance that just couldn't be resolved anymore by mm-hmm. acrobatics of you know, dispensationalism there. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's a, a, some people are clearly the exceptions. I think it would be interesting to, you know, there's all kinds of, there's a whole work of research out there on things like ex-cult members, ex-church right. sect members. You know, one way to answer that question be to, would be to look at apostasy-type research, uh, which uh, we've talked, I think, before in this program about the atheist study with Altemeyer and Hunsberger, who mm-hmm. studying the atheist groups, and many of them are former really high religious types. And you do tend to find a profile with those people as being... Personality-wise, there tend to be more, you know, something about them is wired differently. They're more kind of skeptical and, and cranky about things. They don't, they're less traditional, less authoritarian. But also many of them, as with this girl, if you listen to interviews with her, she was almost kind of regretful, like she wished it wouldn't have come to this. She lost her family over that. Right. So it wasn't as if she's saying, look at me, how great I am. Many of these people who are apostates from these things have a lot of ambivalence about it. You know, they wish that things could have been differently, that she, that you could still have contact with people back in the group um, because that's their whole world. Hasn't there been help on the outside, too, for getting some of these people 
out of the sect. Yeah, I, I thought I remembered reading about a hotline or something mm-hmm. that was established. There's a hotline, and, and the former polygus woman, I've heard her, she's been making the rounds, I think, on like the NPR, some of the NPR shows when this story hit about she has a group. She she counsels people that are former members, both the women as well as there's a, I, I've seen on TV they have a group home for some of the lost boys hmm. who are kicked out where they teach them like, you know, basic skills like to be a landscaping or whatever. You know, they give them jobs and get right. them off drugs and stuff. Um, somebody was somebody was formerly in this situation was actually saying that um, this is one argument against the sort of raid style mm-hmm. law enforcement that was used in Texas was that which by <clears> the way they did better than they did in Waco uh, <laughs> a decade or so back yeah but they were saying you know a lot of these women do want to seek help but they're afraid to go to the police because they're afraid they'll get charged with something. And have their family taken away. <laughs> and if something like this just goes to reinforce that, there may be a lot more women who would do something, but they feel trapped. And since they are already indoctrinated not to trust the government, and in some cases it looks like some of these area communities around here, a lot of the officials are kind of bought off by the church uh, mm-hmm. or... Um, well, in that county, they're members. The sheriff or the, all the right. all the people are members of the group. So you can't go to the civil authorities because, because they're they're the that's members. Them. You know? yeah. yeah, and and it does like what you're saying, Jeremy, is that it sets up a self fulfilling prophecy when you have storm. You know, you portray the outside world as being evil and corrupt, and then you have a bunch of stormtroopers come in. I mean, right. granted, they're in a tough spot because how else could you? Inf- you have to have resources to have a large raid. They, right. In some ways, they force the authorities' hands, but still, yeah, it, it plays into their own vision of the outside. The interesting thing with this particular group is, unlike, say, the Amish, who I have no real problem with the Amish, but unlike the Amish, they're not cut off from modern technology. Mm-hmm. They have computers, they have TV, they have cable, and all of that. So it's interesting how even being exposed to the outside world as opposed to just completely drawing a map and saying here there be tigers you know don't go don't go outside the compound like the village yeah they're showing them what's out there and still the indoctrination works yeah because i think with the technology thing is totally separate from scientific or critical thinking i mean you can sure. we've seen this in every, everything from 911 hijackers who were engineers to to you know, terrorists who are sophisticated in, in, with with electronics and things that uh, just simply giving people gadgets in some ways uh, uh, it doesn't make them free thinkers. They they just use those gadgets to reinforce the right uh, the thing. So the, you know, if you're like a, given a limited education and given a cell phone, you're still just going to say, "Oh, neat gadget," but you're not going to say, "Him, maybe my whole foundation of my beliefs." I can are discover wrong. the world I through can, here. Yeah, call skeptic yeah. hotlines or something. Now, some of these girls are getting married into this system as as young as 12 or 13. They're not at all considered adults, but they're thrust into this situation where they're they're expected to be mothers and wives and everything else. Is there like a critical window for becoming skeptical about these things, becoming an independent thinker? I mean, if you are that indoctrinated, that young, does it have any sort of different with how they develop intellectually as adults? Yeah, and that's an interesting question because I think that, you know, clearly there's variance on that. Many people choose to, you know, have conversions to religion. Let's, let's take a non-FLDS case of somebody who's a convert uh, to a religion. Often that's the, the research has shown that the, there's a window in adolescence in the early teen years which is, I guess, interesting from the as to why that is, uh, people have debated, but that if you're in the teen years, you're particularly ripe for being kind of indoctrinated into a belief system. But there's probably other, a bunch of other explanations that are mundane, and that is, is that if you have, you know, a kid when you're 14 or 15, what are you going to do? You're just going to scoop the kids up and leave? I mean, you're so far. By that point, you're, you're already into the lifestyle right. of your whole family, and so there's a tremendous amount of even internal psychological pressure to say, this must be the right life path because... It's what Cause the, I, I, yeah. I, stuck I have, in. I'm stuck into, so they make yeah. the best of it. The appeals know? court case was that this is doing these kids irreparable harm, having them separated from their community and outside of that. Now, you know, my personal feelings is I can't imagine, at least for the girls involved, that it's any better than what they were put in. But I hate asking this question, but just part of me wonders, like, is it too late for a lot of them? For a lot of them... 
would they be so would they be so brainwashed into that way of living that it would be harmful well, that they w- to could they them, be you mean? yeah could it could they be happy would there be lasting damage living all of a sudden now living in the normal world I think it's really difficult to answer that question as long as there are practical constraints of their family, their kids. How mm. do you get somebody out of that in just a practical level to the outside world? You'd have to separate them from every support system, people with no skills, no education. What would they do if they, let's say they you know, had some revelation like, hey, my entire belief system is crap. I'm gonna, I think I want to leave and see the outside world. What would you do? You've got kids, family, no right. skills. You know, so even to answer the psychological question of, of what would they be thinking that would say, hey, maybe this is all crap? It's hard to separate that from just the practical realities. Right. Well, and the thing that worries me a bit about this is they were taken away in this, you know, very dramatic, very public event. I'm worried that now that they're going back to their families, they're going to be even stronger uh, against the outside world because... Their only experience with the larger society is this horrible, painful, dramatic being torn from their brothers and sisters and their parents and everything they know. And now they're going back there and where they can be safe again. And that's what happened in the earlier raid. I think it was back in the uh, in the fifties. There was a big government raid. Was it the Short Creek? I forget the name of the settlement. Yeah. But they always they nineteen fifty three Short Creek raid. Yeah, they've mm. made references to that within their own group throughout the past decades. Of remember what happened? You know, so they've made it as part of their lore to to build a wall around it. You know, right. metaphorically and. Literally, that this is what the outside world does. Remember how traumatic that was. So, yeah, yeah. that's what they would do with the, with the group is refer to this raid. The Dallas Morning News did an excellent article trying to make the case that the appeals court was uncritically swallowing a lot of this new evidence that was brought to light and not really appreciating how, yes, the fundamentalist sect has a memory of those earlier raids and that there's a culture of deception that's being taught to these people, even as kids. One of the quotes was, these are people who have been taught from the cradle that outsiders are bad, the government is evil, they fear us more than they fear their abusers. The article says, in a filing to the Texas Supreme Court on Friday, lawyers for the Texas Department of Family Protective Services said collecting evidence was extraordinarily difficult Girls routinely switched their names and identified themselves Mm -hmm. as mothers of other women's children. Some didn't even come forward to claim their own kin. More information about how one person who was a former member of this cult said, you didn't think of it as lying. It's your duty and your responsibility to protect those who are living the principle. They're going to lie to protect their prophet and the head of the family. They'll do anything under the banner of the religion. They know this is something that could happen, and they are actually taught that lying in this case is okay. Yeah, I mean, there's some evidence with cult uh, deprogramming that you, rather than coming in gangbusters and and shattering the beliefs or whatever, that you're better off working from within their own belief system and then moving them uh, elsewhere, you know, which is what we said before, uh, that, that you, rather than being it's the government against your crappy religion, you should say, look... You know, you can still be a good religious person and use the arguments. There's, so there's evidence that, that using a religious argument or something already within the belief system and then gradually moving them yeah, uh, would be more effective. It's than the same kind of tactics that successful missionaries have been using for yeah. years. You, you work with their belief, find the, the things that are similar to your belief and draw it out. You gradually shed the most extreme portion and, yeah. and bring them and they closer. do that they're doing that within Saudi Arabia too I think with some mm. of their uh, with some of their extremists is to have people that know the Quran well talk with these people in a controlled environment and say look the Quran doesn't sanction this and that rather than using some <coughs> argument that we would be familiar with it was your beliefs are shit and you know yes. so probably oh yes this raid is going to might, might even make things worse if they send them back because it would simply fulfill the prophecy that they already have of the outside group well that's depressing yeah thoroughly Okay. <laughs> well, let's move on to another uplifting note, our shit list for this week. If you've listened to the show before, you know that we occasionally end with a segment that we call props or shit list. And this is our opportunity to either 
give some credit to people we think who are really out there fighting the good fight and deserve some attention, or it's our chance to point out individuals, organizations, etc., that that are actually rolling back the Enlightenment and are actively fighting free thought in our society. I initially had prepared for the show today a props, and this was for the Archbishop of Westminster. And the reason why I was going to be giving him props is because, according to the BBC News, he urged Christians to treat atheists and agnostics with deep esteem. Hey, that's great. That sounds fantastic. We don't have to do that. Props to this guy. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's exactly what I was thinking. Well, this is great. Here we have an example of exactly what we want to see. Look, even if we disagree on philosophical and theological viewpoints, we don't have to demonize each other. We can come together on maybe shared values and that sort of thing and accurately represent our opponents and that sort of thing. So great. Here's a great example of that. Let's put them on the on the props list. Then I continued to read a little bit further. So let me read you portions from this BBC News article. The article says, Believers may be partly responsible for the decline in faith by losing sense of the mystery and treating God as a fact in the world. He says, Cardinal Murphy O'Connor called for more understanding and appreciation between believers and non-believers, but then added to it that Britain must not become a God-free zone. Now, what is that supposed to mean? He goes on to clarify. Supposedly faithless societies, ruled only by reason, were like those created by Hitler and Stalin, ripe for terror and oppression. Uh. So... He's beginning off talking about how we need to treat atheists and agnostics with more esteem, and then he brings out one of the most... Dropping the H-bomb on us. Yeah. Again, this tired old story about how atheists, uh, atheist societies are, are like Stalin and Hitler and everything else like that, that godlessness leads to terror and oppression. If you want that one debunked for you, you could listen to any number of our older episodes Mm -hmm. because that argument comes up again and again. But I thought it strange that in the same article he would be making that argument and praising atheists. Well, let's get down to more of what he's talking about. Cardinal Murphy O'Connor just a year ago was talking about the new secularist intolerance of religion and he was afraid of the state's increasing acceptance of anti-religious views. Now, he wants to stop this, and the article says, to stem this tide, he said, Christians must understand that they have something in common with those who do not believe. God, quote, is not a fact in the world, as though God could be treated as one thing among other things to be empirically investigated and affirmed or denied on basis of observation. If Christians really believed in the mystery of God, Murphy O'Connor said, we would realize that proper talk about God is always difficult, always tentative. I want to encourage people of faith to regard those without faith with deep esteem because the hidden God is active in their lives as well as in the lives of those who believe. So that statement was really the key one for me because, I'm sorry, we don't have that in common, Mr. O'Connor. That is the one message, this idea that when he says God is not a fact in the world, one thing among many other things to be empirically investigated or to be affirmed or denied on the basis of observation, to me that's a big bait and switch. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where he's trying to claim we're similar in that regard. But see, the conclusion I draw from that is then it makes no rational sense to believe in it. And the conclusion he draws from that is you can't prove me wrong. And really that kind of attitude where you try to ground your most profound beliefs in an area where they're not open to critical investigation, where no fact or state of reality in the world could persuade you at all, as to your point, that's really actually the message that I most despise about 
religion, and that's why I don't consider myself religious. So the usual ways in which I'm eager to make friends across the aisle and allies of more liberally inclined religious people, maybe because we share a political value, or I just respect their intellectual integrity with certain things, or even just pure utility purposes, like we're small in number of us atheists and we at least need a few allies. Those are all acceptable reasons why I will you know, make allies with those of a different opinion. But I will not give props to somebody who's just pointing to us atheists as a way to ch chastise their own side in this. Like, these horrible people are sometimes better than you, that type of thing. You're as bad as they are. Yeah. I do not appreciate becoming a convenient sermon illustration for your latest theological maneuver. So, quite frankly, you can keep your respect for atheists. I find your respect to actually be deeply insulting. All right, that's all for this installment of Reasonable Doubts. Please keep sending in your comments, questions, challenges, and all of that. And I don't know if, if you guys have noticed this, but I've noticed recently that a lot of the emails we get end or begin with a comment like, I'm sorry, I'm really drunk, but... I have noticed that, too. We, we, have, I'm, we have a disproportionate amount of drinkers tuning into this I have a show. folder of drunken listener email. <coughs> so I challenge you to... Smoke weed before sending us an email this time. Come up with the, the best drunken email, I, I like think, a, is a our challenge. I ugly lover here. It's like, do you have to get drunk to listen to us? <laughs> Uh, apparently so. <laughs> no, we'll take our fans from anywhere. Do you have to be high? Is it <laughs> we love every single one of you that actually take the time out to send us a. We appreciate an email. that. We really do appreciate we need it. You need to find a rehab sponsor. Sober, drunk, whatever. Uh, Reasonable doubts brought to you by, you know, the <laughs> AA rehab. <laughs> Reasonable, uh, Reasonable rehab. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a uh, group page and a fan page, which. Um, is fairly new. Please track that down and join up if you are, in fact, a fan. And you can find us on MySpace. Email us at doubtcast at gmail.com or our website, www.doubtcast.org. See you next time. For episodes, links, or to email us your comments, log on to www.doubtcast.org. Our theme music, Apple Tree, is produced by Love Fossil and used with permission.